I'm Leslie Gray. And I'm Joanna Barrett. To the Love and Dividends podcast, where women get smart about money. In this podcast, we'll share interviews and conversations about optimizing your finances, getting started with investing, and building wealth. This week, we are joined by Elke Rubach, founder of Rubach Wealth. Born in Mexico, Elke spoke Spanish and German as a child and then became fluent in English and French as well. She earned undergraduate and graduate degrees in law, the latter in banking and finance on scholarship at the London School of Economics. As a lawyer, she worked with McCarthy Tatro in London, UK and Toronto. She's a certified financial planner as well as a certified life underwriter. Elke is intimately aware that in life, everyone has their own set of issues, and they're not all related to finances. That's why Rubach Wealth's mission statement is, we listen, empathize, and provide the best holistic advice we can give our clients in every area of life. We never want anyone to be anything but financially independent. (laughs) In today's episode, Elke takes us through the importance of building a solid foundation for your financial plan being empowered to ask advisors questions so that you feel comfortable, and creating goals based on behavior, cash flow, confidence, and clarity. Stay tuned. Okay, so we are here with Elke Rubach of Rubach Wealth. Welcome, Elke. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing fabulous. How about you guys? We're doing okay. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having yeah, us. It's a bit of a crazy yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're all we're recording remotely from home. I'm actually in Grand Bend, Ontario, on the shores of Lake Huron, uh, where I'm quarantined. Um, so not so terrible given given the situation. And you guys are both in your homes. Yes, we are. I'm in the uh, sister republic of Etobicoke. Nice. Nice. I'm in my Ford, home Ford country. With- I, oh, I'm yeah. in denial, but yes. <laughs> I'm in the home office slash dining room slash yoga studio slash one bedroom condo. <laughs> well, you do what you can with what you have for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is actually kind of a full circle moment. I just realized because Elke and I met because we were on a panel for a young women law event at a law firm last spring, which was coincidentally, okay, you, you don't, you may not know this, or you wouldn't know this, where Leslie and I met and sort yes. of bonded, <laughs> yeah, bonded over our shared frustrations about um, the finance bro culture and ultimately hatched the plan to start this podcast. So it, from the beginning, we were like, oh, we got to get Elke on. She was so cool. And her, her firm is so awesome. And their offices are so beautiful. Well, but thank also, you. Well, Joanna. Elke, at your event is when Joanna actually first proposed whether we wanted to do the podcast. So it's a double. It's a twofer. Yep. There you go. See, it's a small world. You got to be nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, you never know. So, so Elke, tell us a little bit about, we know you're like an international woman of mystery. You speak like 12 languages (laughs) and you've lived all over. But can you just tell us a little bit about your career uh, in a nutshell and and why you pivoted to doing what you do? Absolutely. So uh, I think off the bat, I was born a misfit. I was born in Mexico in a German family and obviously was raised in a European way in Mexico. So that already is kind of like strange. Um, And 
you know, the plan was to become a lawyer and join a law firm and then become a partner there and continue like what every lawyer does and particularly when you're in your 20s. But part of the, the natural transition of a corporate lawyer in Mexico is that you go to the States or abroad to do an LLM and then you work in New York for a year and then you come back as a senior associate lined up for partnership. So me being me, of course, instead of going to New York or, or what most people do, I decided to uh, join McCarthy Tetral actually in UK. Mm-hmm. When Scotiabank bought the Mexican bank, that's when I met McCarthy Tetral and we got along fine. And when I moved to England to do my master's, they invited me to join them after my master's. So that was great. It was fantastic working in England. That's when Argentina goes belly up, and that's several several centuries ago. And they asked me to come to Canada for a year to help out the team with the bankruptcy. So that year turns to be now my 18th year in Canada with a fair bit of pivoting in my career. I stayed at McCarthy's, I think, like three, four years. And then I moved to Scotiabank because I wanted to try something else. At Scotia, through visiting many departments, I ended up in compliance, and that sounds terrible, but it was tons of fun because I had to deal with clients and all their issues, particularly during the time that the market tanked in 2008. So there was never a dull moment. It ranged from you know, death threats to discretionary trading, unsuitability, concentration, a bit of everything. And um, that showed me that particularly when I had the conversation with women in general, but particularly with women, that people make financial decisions without having an actual plan. I also noticed that the finance, and this is not a he against she, but the financial institutions, the financial markets, the financial system is built by men for men because it used to be men, the the ones that used it exclusively, but that's not working anymore the same way. So there's a big opportunity to infuse, um, I'm not saying a female rah-rah women are better, but a bit more caring or more feminine energy into the planning and conversation. So eight years ago, left Scotia and started uh, my firm. And our approach is very different from financial planning the way uh, you see on the street. We don't want people to just focus on the rate of return or what their investments will give them tomorrow or in the next 12 months. That it seems to be the way people normally do it. We want people to have a multidisciplinary approach to planning and making sure that whatever plans they come up with have a very solid foundation. So we do a lot of work up front. And it's not different from building a house. When you're building a house, the foundation takes a lot of time and that's not necessarily pretty. But if you want to build a good house, you need to put the work up front. So we do holistic planning, we do risk management, we do investments, 
uh, we work with uh, lawyers to organize the estate plan, but we bring all those elements together. So okay, so just to jump long, in, yeah, very long answer to tell you how I got to where I am. Yeah, so I, I want to get. I, I want to follow up on your metaphor of a house. So a good house is built to withstand. Uh, natural disasters like hurricanes and windstorms <laughs> or whatever. Um, so Pandemic. we are in we are in such a situation right now. So how how can you build a house? How can you build a financial plan that can weather the recession that is bearing down on us? And some people are even using the D word depression. Yeah, um, and your experience in two thousand eight is so helpful because you've you've seen this before from the front line. I have from a to financial say that I had not seen this 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 before. I mean, I've seen the markets mm. tank. I saw 2000, you know, 2001, September 11th. That was, that was a shock. 2008 was a shock, but it was contained in, the, in a relatively easy to define moment in time. Right now, we don't know when this is going to end. We don't know what it's going to look like at the end of the day. Uh, we don't, we, we like it's terrible what's happening to many families losing members. I mean, let's not go too 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 far. My husband is is affected by this thing. He's doing fine, fortunately, but but obviously you don't plan these things. And it's it's really it really comes down to a conversation with with your client or or the person who is in front of you, and it's naming things. You know, calling a spade a spade. Nobody, nobody plans for this. You, nobody can really envision what this looks like. And even today, people don't know what it will look like in six months or 12 months. But if your plan was cohesive and inclusive from many sides, I can tell you that most of our clients, depending on their risk appetite, because that's very, very important to include too, they're fine. I mean, yes, their investment accounts are a little down, not 40%, but, you know, 10, 6, in some cases, they're still above based on their risk appetite. But we know that if something happens to them and they get sick, their ability to collect money to live off it is, is in place. So we don't just do investments. We say, yes, but what happens if? based on experience so so it's it's a let's slow down to solidify your plan let's think of all the scenarios possible and then come up with a plan that will that will work for you something very very important when building a plan is historically you've heard let's build your plan based on your dreams and goals right everybody has heard that that's all fantastic and i agree but your dreams and goals can only come true if you consider that plan based on your behavior. If you have a dream of having a $10 million house, but you're spending more than you're making, that dream's not going to happen. So cash flow confidence and clarity are very important in a plan. And that's something that's missing. People are coming up with goals and not basing their, their plans on facts and whether they can be reached or not. 
so so that's it's it's a conversation it's a, literally being able to ask your client what what do you want to do and how do you normally live and can this plan sustain your goal it's an and open do conversation you find Elke, you're telling a lot of clients, okay, we can make that happen. Or do you find you spend more time saying that's a great goal, but have you considered these various circumstances, including no one could have predicted the one we're in right now, but including times like this where the market's substantially down? Um, the conversation varies a lot between men and women, millennials and non-millennials. Mm. <laughs> and I always tell people, I, I learned this from, from a coach, there are no unreasonable goals. The only thing that could be unreasonable is your timeline. So if there's discipline and people are committed to their goal, but truly committed, they will have to invest either time, talent, or treasure reaching that goal. If they're committed, we can make it happen. We have to determine what the right time frame is and whether it makes sense and adjust behavior accordingly uh millennials have the advantage of youth i can tell you the markets will bounce back they have bounced back already not to pre-covid levels but they have improved i fully expect them to go down again very shortly but the one thing I would recommend is don't panic. Do not try to time the market. You know, for millennials, the, the runway is long enough that they will recover. And the last thing with that people are, like the worst thing I, I'm seeing that people are doing, they're cashing out their investments right now. And mm -hmm. by that, they are securing the loss. Whereas if they stay invested, and just ride the wave because normally most of the people don't need the money immediately. I mean, if you need the money, you need the money. But if you don't need the money and your plan was long term, just stay still. Stay still. Don't don't read the negative news because not everybody has the same stomach for, for volatility. And it's going to be ugly for the next little while. Okay, that's really useful. So you mm -hmm. see a lot of sophisticated professionals and families who presumably are somewhat above average in terms of their financial savvy and obviously above average in seeking out your help. Um, but what are the biggest sort of pitfalls or mistakes or blind, uh, blind spots that you see in people who otherwise would look from the outside to be sort of have a clean bill of financial health? Uh, the biggest pitfall is setting up a plan and implementing solutions without having asked the right questions, without having a clear understanding of what you're getting into. Any investment, any insurance, any, any financial decision you make, as a client, you should feel 150% comfortable and clear with what you're doing. Nobody should rush you into any decision. And unless you can tell me in one page and in plain English what we're doing, you shouldn't do it. If there's mm. any level of sophistication, if 
keep like a good plan doesn't need to be incomprehensible. A good plan is the one you understand. A good plan is a flexible one, something that you and if you have a family know what to do. And you can you can explain to someone with your words what you're doing. As soon as you have to say, they told me what it was, I don't remember, but it looked great. Right there, you're giving a power that you shouldn't, because ultimately the consequences of any plan will only be lived by you. And you should feel comfortable asking questions because at the end of the day, it's your money. I think that's so true, but I I feel like I've heard so many people say exactly what you have, which is, oh, I, they explained it to me. I'm not really sure. I'm sure it's fine. Like uh, everything you're saying, it's very, it's true of a really good legal agreement. If you can't explain it, then it really hasn't been drafted properly. Exactly. It's the ultimate infusion of common sense. Yeah, totally. And that actually leads into the next topic I wanted to speak to you about, because obviously you you do your family, your your business is a family boutique, but you also have a big emphasis on female financial empowerment and women's financial literacy um, that I just really admire because your firm really uh, walks the walk. You host events uh, in non-COVID times um, geared towards women. And so how did that become a mission for you and why do you think it's mm -hmm. so important? Well, I think uh, women empowerment is important to me for many reasons, not only financial, but as I tell my children, independence is financial or non-existent. So mm. if you have to ask for money, then you're not independent, right? Um, I, I mean, my, my, my story is, is kind of one example of why I'm so big about financial independence and clarity. My family was okay off. My dad dies without a plan. And then all of a sudden my mom had to figure out what to do. And she had never been in charge of the finances and she had never been in charge of running the house. And this is at a very early age. Like, did my dad plan to die? I'm guessing no. Um, but we were we were little. I was maybe 14, 15, and my sister was seven or eight or so. And then my other my siblings were a little older, but still, it, it was not easy. And we were okay. But my mom first, while she got on her feet, I just saw assets disappearing. You know that house boom, sold. And the other house, sold, 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 sold. And I'm willing to bet that those financial decisions were made in a pinch mm. without having a proper plan. Something that kills me is that in Canada, you cannot leave a dealership if you buy a car without insurance. Why are we allowed to leave the hospital or birthing center without life insurance? At the end right. of the day, something happens to the family. I mean, the dead person is dead, rest in peace, but the mess they leave behind is not fair. It's not fair because it was 100% preventable if done right at the right time. The other thing too, from a more practical perspective and why I'm so big on women and financial independence 
is, well, it's twofold. One is, I'm sorry, when you're financially independent, your spouse will treat you differently because they know you do not depend on them. And that's just human nature. Uh, very few situations I've seen that the financial dependency doesn't play a role in the relationship. I'm not saying they 100% don't exist. in the inverse. Yeah. If, the, if there's no <laughs> financial independence and the relationship yeah. isn't going well, you're in a bind, right? You might stay in that relationship for reasons that are entirely unhealthy. Yeah. And, Elke, and what example are you giving to your you children? Seen a lot of that? And what I've seen a lot of that. I've seen a lot of that absolutely at every single level of affluence. If as a mother, wow. you're used to, you know, your kids in private school and traveling four times a year, long trips, you know, expensive stuff. You might not be able to, and if that's important to you, you might not be able to, to uh, afford that if you're on your own. Canada has a big advantage that if somebody leaves a relationship, women are not completely abandoned. Let's take that with a pinch of salt because <laughs> not everybody is on the same level, right? So, but from a relationship perspective, when there's no dependency, like no, I call it sick dependency. I think it's a much healthier relationship, much more level. And respect is there. It's it's unfortunate, but that's how it works. Mm. And or what I've seen, ninety eight percent of the case. Um, then the other thing too is, women have joined the workforce. Women have you know this whole leaning and glass ceiling and inclusion or diversity and inclusion and fifty fifty comply or explain. Are we there yet? No, we're still far, but. We're, we're opening our little ways. I find even many, I'm not saying all, but many women who have been able to establish a name in their professional careers are still lost when it comes to managing their finances and they don't make decisions that work for them. They trust, they follow, but they don't feel empowered to ask the questions that will make them feel comfortable before they sign on the line. And why do you think that is, Elke? Just the system or I don't disagree, but. Probably the system. Uh, maybe, maybe we have not enabled the the environment for women to be able to ask, like I've seen advisors literally stomp on the table because women were asking questions and not signing. And I'm like, what are you doing? You should be reported. If she has questions, she has questions. The end. You cannot right. pressure people into decision. Well, you shouldn't. And if you can, and you're able to do that, you shouldn't be an advisor. I mean, the word advisor is the ultimate carrier of people's trust. And it's a human conversation. The same way a lawyer looks after the deal or the acquisition or the whatever it is, and people generally trust lawyers. 
An advisor should earn his or her fees and truly, truly look after the best interest of the person. It's not the next commission I'll make. It's not the next fee I'll get out of you. It's not the next uh, million of assets that I'll be able to manage on your behalf. It's truly caring for your client because the implications of not doing that are, are huge and they're not good. Okay, Elke, so what would you say, last sort of formal question, to somebody, uh, a young professional, a millennial, or even a Gen Z, who's not yet in the position where they can come to your firm for services, they're just starting out, but they want to get on the right track, uh, what would be your your broad, broad brush advice? Um, I would never, I would never say, you know, everybody asks, me how many million dollars of investable assets do I have to have before I come to your firm? The answer is zero. If if you're curious about investments, we can talk about it, but my job is to show you the other things they have to think about. They won't always deal with me. We have associates who are younger and might connect with, with them better. We're very flexible. To, to me, it's a matter of education reading, asking, and, and listening to, to information like what you guys are enabling. So really kudos to you guys for, for allowing this conversation to start. Uh, millennials or, or whatever level of youth, if they start with a solid plan and actually understanding what's happening and where they're going, their chances to accumulate assets and be in a good position or higher than if they start working, you know, and let's say a first year associate making, I don't know, $80,000. The demands in their careers are gonna get bigger and more complex. Time is scarce. And if they think that next year that it's gonna get easier or less demanding, that's an absolute fallacy. That's, that's not the way it works. And I can tell you that the average 45-year-old lawyer is very confused, men and women, because they never took the time to set up a proper plan. And people are fixated with their investments and the rates of return. But really, if their plan is not taking taxes into consideration, right there and then, they're leaving half of their money on the table. So, so people today, people who are well planned from a tax perspective have lost a lot less than those who were very well invested, but the market tanked. Right. I mean, the government has its role to play 100%, but if you're not, I'm not saying you're avoiding taxes, but if you're not tax smart, you're leaving half of your checks, so you're working January till June for the government. Totally true. So are you talking about things like setting up your work as an independent contractor so you can write off expenses, pay yourself as a corp, or... Or other things that clearly I'm missing out on. Yeah, the, it depends on age, affluence, uh, 
again, depending on behavior, if uh, you're buying a house, uh, you know, it's always good to pay your mortgage off, but depending on the situation of the market, you need flexibility because things, as we can see, change. Uh, do you pay off your mortgage first? Okay. Now, is there any way you can, you know, change the order of the elements to pay off your debt first? You have a lot of young lawyers coming out of the university or law school with debt. What we what we have implemented so far, in many cases, not all, because it doesn't work for everyone, is you contribute to your RSP, then you get a tax refund, and that tax refund you use to pay your debt off. So you kind of have your cake and eat it too, mm. as opposed to just paying your debt with money that was taxed upfront, and you're not saving for your re retirement. It doesn't work for everyone. It's a case by case, but that's that's a possible solution or option for people. Yeah, that's a great it's consideration. Simple. It's simple, but for some reason, reading the label from inside the bottle is very complicated. If people come to us, we, we work with lawyers day in and day out. We know professional corporation, what works, but, you know, pension plans, alternative pension plans. What happens if your RSP is maximized? Very few have uh, in private practice have pension plans, but if you do, how do you commute it? How, what, what do you do? What is your group coverage worth? Do you like your job? Do you don't like your job? Are you going to leave law? Should you get insured before you leave your, your job? It's, it's a personal conversation that everybody should have unfortunately they don't and it's a lot easier to sh jump ship when you have a ship than to get somebody to pick you up when you're floating in the ocean oh yeah i want the ship <laughs> don't want to be floating yeah. that's awesome okay should we pivot yeah, to our like weekly it. weekly or current money wins um, could be something that you enjoyed spending money on, a quick tip, a way that you saved money, um, just just a quick nugget. Elke, anything for us? Um, well, now that we're forced to be home, uh, well, we all should be home, by the way. Uh, I had gotten for Mother's Day a little Peloton bike. And oh yay! I'm I'm absolutely loving it. First of all, you can pay it in, in in installments, zero interest, so that's a good idea. But it allows me to, in some cases, I can take calls while I'm pedaling, and that works great for ADD. It's lovely. And um, and the other thing too is we're saving a ton of money, right? Uh, there are no gym fees anymore. Gyms are closed. So I have my 50 buck a month uh, membership with Peloton and your entire family can join with for those 50 bucks and they have everything. And even if you don't have the bike, the, the little app is cool because they have yoga, they have running. I don't run, um, have cycling and I don't know what else they have. Clearly, I don't do that, but uh, but I'm really enjoying that app. Uh, the other thing you can do is uh, a bunch of yoga courses online. And then you get a group of people together and then you kind of meet at the same time and you make the best out of it. It's uh, We don't know how long it'll last. We just want this thing to go away, the economy to pick up. 
But I think that at the end of the day, it's not really about money, but health and your family being okay. And mm-hmm. I think uh, Canada is about to go back to basics and remember that you're your butcher and your um, local farmer and your your you know dry cleaner are ultimately your community and we're going to have to go back to supporting small and local i totally agree i'm ready to like start a homestead just like start growing all my own food i'm like really i'm really into it (laughs) (laughs) um leslie i'm a disaster i'm growing that (laughs) yeah oh i love that um oh i'm torn you've brought up two two different things that i'm really into Elky, like you, the workouts were so important to me. My gym was so important to me. This, that was a big shock of the staying at home. So what, I, what I'm what i using right now is The Class by Taryn Toomey. It's a oh my God, I not love local that. to New York based. Do you love The Class? Yes. Yeah, it's so good. It's like, uh, it's like therapy it's, and a workout in one. <laughs> yeah, it's like yelling yeah. to the void and jumping and like get your crystals out. Uh, so I, that's my, that's my $50 a month membership and I'm absolutely loving it. And they have so many classes. Um, and then the other one, which was suggested by our guest last week, Jen was St. Lawrence market, which is still open. They do have a security guard now outside asking the important questions. Like, have you traveled? Do you have any symptoms? Oh, I um, like so they're that walking though. it down. Yeah. yeah, me too. Me too, for sure. So again, stressing that you don't want to leave, but for your once week or once every two week. Um, I was there and got a ton of meat, a lot of which they will freezer bag for you. So most of which is in my freezer um, and various products like that just to keep me sustained. But I agree with with more spending local um, to the extent we can. And, yeah, so and reaching I'll... out, I honestly talk to people because people are getting lonely and particularly those who live in a little condo. Mm-hmm. Talk to people. Yes. Talk to people. Don't <laughs> like some people are going really up the wall, and 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 it's important. Don't don't. You're not alone. Mental health is so important these days. Like it's always important, but the the stress levels are high. So it's talk, talk, talk. I'm open. We have weekly drop-ins for people to to ask questions. Uh, if people just want to say hello, we're available. If people are curious about you know, what should I be doing? Drop us a line. We're on social media, Instagram, everything. But honestly, it's just talk people. Don't, don't see everything black. We all have our darker days, but we're here, honestly. Like, and there's no sales pitch. There's nothing. It's just here to help people because it is a very strange time. It really that. is. And that's, that's a nice message. Yeah. Joe, what about yourself? What was your uh, well, I, I, I'll, I'll give it two because everybody's been talking about their fitness thing. So I've actually worked out from home for years. I started it when I lived in London, UK a few years ago, because I literally was there kind of as a student and couldn't afford gyms, but I just kept up the habit because you, you have no excuse. So I bought a home rebounder, which is like a trampoline a few years ago. And I've been keeping it in my walk-in closet in my little Toronto condo. Um, and I love it. It's like good for lymphatic drainage and it's a great cardio workout. Um, and there's this website called L.E.K. Fit, um, where she has a studio streaming classes from Los Angeles. And the workout is like part on the trampoline and part toning. 
So I love that. I've been super into that. And it just makes you so happy to just jump on a trampoline in the morning before you, you know, sit down on your couch and work from your home office, quote unquote. Um, and then the second one is I am, I've been a huge sort of evangelist of hacking travel points and credit cards and maxing out value. Um, but obviously it doesn't make a lot of sense to be just banking travel points right now. So I have switched to the Tangerine Money Back credit card, MasterCard, um, that right now yes. has, a, has a promo. So you get a 2% back, but plus an extra 15% in the first three months. So that's kind of nice. And yeah, unfortunately, my my goals of banking points to get like a business class ticket on points to Bali or whatever are put on hold for the moment. But uh, but it's nice to have this other option, which is literally just money back in my bank account. So love tangerine. The, the uh, awesome. last thing I, I would love to add is if anyone is in financial issues because of rent or because they lost their job or because they've been laid off or they think they're going to get laid off or so on, talk to your banks. The banks are mandated to be shock absorbers and they would rather help you with your mortgage payments and defer them than end up with a condo you could no longer pay. So do talk to your mm -hmm. banks that they are literally open and wanting to help. That's so helpful. That's free. And really good That's to free. know. I think a lot of people are always scared to, to do that. People are scared to ask. And I saw some people questioning, like, should I be worried that the bank is going to you go go bankrupt yeah, and lose my money. Or go, like, yeah. Uh, and it's like, no, they're they're covered by CDIC insurance. You're fine. Mm -hmm. Banks are not gonna mm -hmm. lose your money. But that's helpful. Yeah. 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 yeah no, that's can't a great pay your mortgage thing to remember. Reach out. Right. Just don't hide because if you hide, then the, the bank has no way of knowing that you lost your job. So talk about it and say, guys, I'm squeezed. Can you postpone my mortgage? And they will, if, if it makes sense. It's not That's that just awesome. because it's Tuesday, they'll forgive your mortgage payments. No, but if you are in a pinch, they will. That's a good tip. That's a really good thing to remember. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, shall we sign off, ladies? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, well, Thank you so LP. much for having me. Thank really you. It's been a pleasure. It. Signing off. Love and dividends. Yeah. Talk soon. Stay healthy, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love and Dividends podcast. If you got value from this podcast, please share it with another woman or person who could benefit from the information shared. And please consider rating us and leaving us a review on iTunes. It really helps with new podcasts. If you have questions about finances and investing, have suggestions for future topics or guests, please let us know. You can shoot us a DM on Instagram, love and dividends, or send us an email, hello at loveanddividends.com. With love and dividends.